to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. You know, one of the reasons we applaud people, I I mentioned this last week and I'm going to say a little bit more about it just now because it fits with my message. And by the way, let me just say, if you're watching online this service, I want to give you a huge welcome too. And as earlier in this service, if you're here for the first time, I want to give you a massive welcome. So glad that we're gathered together. So come on, let's welcome everybody. People say you clap a lot in your church and one of the reasons we stand and we welcome people to the stage, one is because we're showing that we're getting ready for God's word. We respect what's coming, that God is going to speak into our hearts and our lives, but also we're celebrating people. Because how many of you know in life, there's not many places that celebrate people. There's not many people who will have been in Icon Church today thinking, I can't wait to get to work tomorrow because they celebrate me. Well, there's a different spirit in church and there's a different culture. We celebrate people and we're glad and we're thankful for people who serve and and give to us and share with us. And so that's why we welcome people to the stage. That's why we clap a lot and we celebrate people and we're never going to stop. Never, never, never going to stop. Anyway, tonight I want to share three stories, one message. And uh, I'm going to read the stories to get us going. Two I'll read from the Bible and one I'll tell. They're all stories from the Bible, but they're short stories. And the first is found in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. This is Jesus, and he's beginning to gather his first disciples. So it says this, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. Now, we all know tax collectors are not our favorite people. That's true, isn't it? And that was even more so in the day of Jesus. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, or Matthew, as we know him as well, sitting at his booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Let me just pause there, because in the original language, it kind of gives us a better picture or a a more in-depth picture of what happened. It says, and Levi left everything, and we could say left everything in order. So he left his work, sorted it out, and he got up, and followed Jesus. I'm not coming back. I'll leave it all in order. I'm going to follow Jesus with everything. Then Levi, Matthew, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees, the religious people, the priests, the teachers of the law, who belonged to that sect, to Pharisees, complained to Jesus' disciples. Not to Jesus, but to Jesus' disciples. Have you ever had somebody complain about you, but they didn't say it to your face? That's what's happening right here. Complain to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus overheard it. That's an embarrassing moment for somebody, isn't it? I remember once sitting in an office and we were in a makeshift office and we only had a dividing wall between two departments and it was um, um, filing cabinets. We used to have a permanent wall, but we were doing some renovations at this particular job. And uh, one person had fell out with me. And uh, for some reason, because my surname is Benja, they thought I was of another race. 
And uh, this day they were in the other department in this room. And they said, and that foreigner, Benja, is driving me crazy. And of course, I'm just the other side of the filing cabinet. So just like Jesus, I went to introduce myself. I said, hello, I'm Paul Benja, the guy who's driving you crazy. Expect more. Jesus answered them. Jesus heard them and introduced himself. And he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. Why does he eat with all these kind of people? Why doesn't he eat with us? Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then I want to turn a few chapters over into Luke. Chapter 14, same book, same writer, himself a doctor. And he tells this story of Jesus again going to a meal, this time at a Pharisee's house. One Sabbath, Luke 14, verse 1, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. By the way, I need a, a little bit of a help here and I need a, I need a male. And uh, why don't I pick on, who shall I pick on? Jake Lloyd. Everybody's pointing at Jake Lloyd. Come on, Jake Lloyd. Give him a round of applause. Come and stand next to me. I want you to imagine that Jake is suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jake didn't just miss leg day. He missed every day. Oh, sorry, mate. He's getting ready to hit me now. There was a man in front of him suffering from abnormal swelling. Jesus asked the Pharisees, because they're carefully watching him, is it lawful to heal this man on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So Jesus, taking hold of the man. How do you imagine that? Jesus taking hold of the man. Be healed. And the swelling dissipates. Well, actually, the original language tells us again. See, Jesus taking hold of the man. Because this word, to take hold, is aggressive. It's how you would grab an enemy or a real friend and not let go. I like to think of it that Jesus took hold of the man and said, be healed, be healed, despite what all those religious people... Come on, take a photo quickly, Zanetta. I'm getting hot here. Jesus, taking hold of the man, healed him. Thanks, Jake. You can go. Thanks ever so much. Jump down, a couple of, uh, <coughs> jump down a couple of verses to carry on the story. When he noticed how the guests at this same event had picked the places of honour at the table, they'd all gone for the best seats at the table, Jesus speaks to the guests and he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may be invited. If so, the host who invited you will come and say, Give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important seat. But when you're invited, take the lowest seat so that when the host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. And then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who were humble will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, he's talked to the guests, he's talked to the Pharisees, now he's talking to the host. When you give a luncheon or dinner like this, don't just invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbours. If you do, they'll invite you back and you'll be rewarded. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. 
although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Story number three follows on from that, but I'll tell it. Someone hearing Jesus says, won't it be great when we get to eat the banquet that God will prepare in his kingdom? And Jesus looks at the man and as he looks at the man, he thinks, I'm not sure you're going to make it. So I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a parable. And so Jesus tells this story, a man who's definitely God prepares a great banquet. And he sent out already all these invites and said, get ready because there's a banquet coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. God is going to call us to himself for all of eternity. There's this huge banquet. And so he's invited and sent these invites out. And then the man who's prepared the banquet says, right, the banquet's ready, it's time. And he sends his servants out. Go and find the guests and tell them to come to the banquet. But then the Bible says that they all made excuses. All those who had been invited made excuses. It gives us three examples. One says, I've bought a field and I need to go and have a look at my field. He's got an exciting life, hasn't he? Another says, I've bought 10 cows five yoke of oxen, 10 cows, and I need to go and examine them. They're good cows. And then another says, I've married a wife and I, she won't let me come. <laughs> They're just three examples because it says that everyone who was invited made excuses. And so Jesus says to the servants, go quickly, find the poor, the lame, the blind and the crippled and invite them to the banquet and they come. And but then they say, the servants say to the master, the, the man who's prepared the banquet, to God, they say, there's still room. And he says, go to the deserted roads, go into the countryside, go as far as you need to and find people and compel them to come in. Three stories, one message. And here's the message. Don't kill my vibe. Don't kill my vibe. In all three stories, and actually throughout the Gospels, People are trying to kill Jesus' vibe. And I'm sharing this message tonight because I believe as followers of Jesus, we need to take our stance and say, you're not going to kill my vibe. I'm going to have a, an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to have a, a, a position in my life and you're not going to kill it. You're not going to kill my vibe. It's just going to get better and stronger. It's just going to go further. I'm not going to let you kill my vibe. Luke, who writes these stories for us, tells us about Jesus, that Jesus is either at a meal, he's going to a meal, or he's coming from a meal. In other words, Jesus is always at a party. We need a party theology. And when we get our party theology, we need to say, don't kill my vibe. Or we need to say, you're not going to kill my vibe. Matthew is a tax collector and he has friends who are also tax collectors. In fact, the Versions of the Bible, some say tax collectors and sinners. And he puts on, as soon as he's come and decided to follow Jesus with all of his God and all of his life, he throws a party. It's called Matthew's party. And he invites Jesus and he invites his friends. And at that party, the religious people try to kill Jesus's vibe. My favourite painting of Jesus, apart from one thing, is a picture of Jesus laughing. Because that's the Jesus I think I follow. I don't follow a miserable, serious, somber Jesus. Thanks for your enthusiasm. I don't follow, seriously, I don't follow a religious Jesus. I follow a party Jesus. 
who knows how to party and knows what real joy is. Uh, the thing I don't like about the painting of the laughing Jesus is he's white and he's got blue eyes, which is highly unlikely for a Middle Eastern man, by the way. And there lies a problem that most pictures of Jesus are white and blue eyed. And of course, he wouldn't be like that. But Jesus was full of joy. That's how I see him. That's how I depict him. Oh, he's serious. He's serious about stuff, but he's full of joy and he's full of life. He goes to the house, the second story of a prominent Pharisee who's putting on a big meal and there's lots of guests. It's another party. And this guy says to him, won't it be great when we have this meal in the kingdom of God, this great banquet? Isn't it interesting? It should be interesting to you and to me that actually when the Bible talks about eternity, that it depicts eternity as a wedding feast. That sounds a bit like a party to me. It sounds a little bit like a party. I recently went to a wedding and uh, it, it was a Latin wedding. It was interesting that the announcement was made was the wedding starts at three o'clock. After that, all timings are whatever happens. I think that's what heaven's like. It's just, we're just going to party and live as we were meant to live. Don't think I'm being flippant here. I'm not being flippant at all. I think we need a party theology about the kingdom of God because religion sucks life out of people. Religion says we should be quiet, we should be somber, but I believe Jesus was full of joy, full of joy. I think everywhere Jesus went, oh, he, he had his moments of, of, of challenge and, and confrontation, but with the religious people, with the religious people who were trying to suck the life out of everyone. Jesus was trying to put life into everyone and trying to create an atmosphere that the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of joy. Have you noticed there's always people who want to change an environment of fun? I have to tell you, I have been that person. Like, I've been, I've been that person watching people and thinking they're having too much fun. I have, I've been that person. There's always people trying to change the environment of fun. But I want to say this. If you were created with the ability to laugh, then that is the will of God for your life and my life. If we were created with the ability to create Krispy Kremes, then we know that heaven is going to be full of fun. Krispy Kremes, by the way, there are some things that will not make it into heaven. Krispy Kremes will. Oh, that's better than that. was better than that. I actually bought six. And I thought, wouldn't it be a great illustration if I shared some Krispy Kremes out at this moment in my message? How do you feel about that? We ate them. <laughs> They're just too good. If, if God gives us the ability to invent and create crispy creams, we know that he's a God of joy. He is a God of joy. Jesus ate a lot. Luke tells us he's always going to a meal, coming from a meal or at a meal. And he ate a lot with people. Everything we know about Jesus is in the context of human relationships, doing life together, having fun together, growing together, learning together. Let me talk to you about three vibe killers before I talk to us about how not to allow people to kill our vibe. They're in these stories, these three vibe killers. Here's the first, grumbling. Grumbling is a vibe killer. Story number one, the Pharisees, the religious people, they're cynics, they're critics, they're the somber, they're the religious, they're the super serious. 
And they went to the disciples, not to Jesus. They're the questioners. Do you think we should be doing this? Do, do you think we should paint the walls of a church black? You know, do you, do you think we should have flashing lights and smoke in church? They're the questioners. I mean, do they remind you of anyone? Like, if you sat next to them, don't nudge them right now. But, like, do they, do they remind you of anyone? But more importantly, does this scene of questioning sound familiar? Because it sounds very familiar to me. It takes me right back to Genesis chapter 1, where there's a serpent in a garden who says, no, you, you, won't, you won't die if you eat of that tree. No, don't believe what God says. God's holding out on you. It's not God who wants to give you joy. It's God that's holding out on you. These religious people remind me, they're the grumblers or grumbling, actually kills our vibe. Cynicism, criticism, somber, religious spirit and attitude kills our vibe. Hey, don't kill my vibe. Don't kill my vibe. Don't go somber on me. Don't go cynical on me. Don't go critical on me because you're not going to kill my vibe. I'm smiling because I want you to know I love you when I say that. Uh, that's the first thing, grumbling. The second thing, and this was almost the title of this message, but I realized it wasn't a great title for a message, is miserable spirituality. I realized if I entitled the message, miserable spirituality, I'd just rant at people for 30 minutes, and I don't want to do that. That's not my purpose tonight. I don't, I don't want to have a couple of people in my imagination who are miserable for 30 minutes. The same people at Matthew's party, the Pharisees at the second party, they feel out of it. And they're asking the question, why isn't Jesus miserable like us? Why isn't Jesus serious like us? What they're really asking is, why isn't Jesus holy like us? Why isn't he separate to God like us? Because it's obvious he's not. Because he's having fun. Because his first miracle was to turn 140 gallons of water into wine. And the church has been trying to turn it back ever since. Why isn't he miserable like that? We'd never, ne we'd never eat with those people. That's what they're saying. We, we'd never do that. We, we'd never clap somebody getting on a stage. We'd never do that. It's miserable spiritual. You see, who you, who you ate with back then was a big deal. It was a big deal. It meant that you were willing to associate with them. And Jesus associates with people that nobody else will associate with. In story number three, when they say there's more room, Jesus says, right, just go and find whoever you can. Whoever's willing to say yes. Whoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. If the people invited are saying no, whosoever will may come. You might feel that, well, you know, I, I don't know, God, God, me? I'm not sure we go together. But I want to tell you, you're invited. And you're here tonight because you're invited by God into his party. Uh, Jesus asked the question at this party, is it all right to heal on the Sabbath? Because there's the Pharisees and there's the teachers of the law. He's looking for a legal ruling. Can I do it? He's not really, he's going to do it anyway. He's going to grab the guy and he's going to heal him, thankfully. And they keep quiet. 
because their misery won't allow a sick person to be healed on the Sabbath. That's where miserable spirituality takes you, ultimately. No joy, no fun, very little Jesus. You know that Jesus said one time to his disciples, look, when you fast, don't be somber like the Pharisees who, 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 you know, disfigure their faces to show that they're fasting. In other words, when you fast, look normal, look joyful. Look like it's something you get to do and not something you have to do. Look joyful, look normal. That's the second thing, miserable spirituality. And the, the third thing is excuses. Uh, they, they go to the invited guests who've had the invitation for a long time and they've just been waiting or presumably should have been waiting for the day when the banquet maker, God, says it's time to come, it's ready, everything's ready, the feast's ready. But then they make excuses, reasons why I can't come to the banquet. And they kill the vibe of the banquet giver because he's angry. The invited, they make excuses. I married a wife, I've got 10 cows, I've got a field. They're just examples of excuses. They're people who will not enter everything that God is offering to them. And they make excuses. They all make excuses why they can't come. And Jesus is telling this story to a guy because the guy's looking forward to that day, but Jesus isn't sure he'll make it. I think Jesus is thinking, I'm, I'm thinking on that day, you might be one of these people that something else is more important to you. Something else is more valuable to you than entering into everything God has got for you. Maybe it'll be a field. Maybe it'll be some cows. Maybe it'll be you married a wife. Whatever it is. The point is that if we live in any one of these groups, spiritually, we'll end up miserable. If we live amongst the grumblers, the cynics, the questioners, if we live amongst the religious, the the, the excuse crowd, why I can't crowd, our vibe will dive, our joy will disappear, and our love will grow cold. But now to the good news, because I think in these stories, Jesus gives us three pointers, three signposts to how we can stand up and say, don't kill my vibe. Don't kill my vibe. Here's the first. Remember the gospel is good news. I love that Jesus never allowed the, the, the people who criticized him all the time, wherever he went, even his own family at times got on his back. Jesus did not let them kill his vibe. I love that because he knew that the gospel was good news. He called it actually the good news of the kingdom. This is what I'm bringing to you, the good news that God is king and he can be your king too. I like to call it party theology. Heaven is a party. Jesus is not being flippant. He's just telling us to love God, to love people and to love life. We aren't called as the church to condemn the world. We are not called as the church. I'm going to say it again. We are not called as the church to condemn the world. We're not even called to judge it. That's God's job. We're not called to criticize the world. We are not called to copy the world. We are called to create the world. By bringing heaven to earth. 
Let me say that again. We're not called to criticize the world. We're not called to condemn the world. We're not called to copy the world. We are called by being a people of heaven to create the world. Who, who were the people behind the idea to have hospitals and hospital care for everyone? Christians. Followers of Jesus. There's people trying to deny that today. They're trying to, they're trying to like rewrite history because they're embarrassed that it was Christians who, who actually were the driving force behind bringing health care to, to people all, all across society and all across the world. Who, who were the people who said, we need to educate everybody. We need to learn everyone to read. We need to learn everyone to write. Who are the people? Christians. Why? Because they were not criticizing the world, condemning the world, or copying the world. They're saying we're going to create a better world because we're bringing heaven to earth. And if we educate people, they'll have a chance to take their life and things forward. What about the abolition of historical slavery? We have different forms of slavery today. But what about the abolition of historical slavery? Who was the guy that really drove that forward in this nation? It was a guy called William Wilberforce. He was a conservative MP. And I know somebody tried to claim that it was because of his conservatism. Even this week, somebody put a post on the internet saying it was his conservatism that led him to do... No, he was a Christian. It was his faith in Jesus. He happened to be a conservative MP as well, which is fine. You've got to be in some party if you're going to be in politics. But he actually, it was his faith in Jesus that actually said we should abolish slavery. And still today, wherever you find Jesus people, even in Icon Church, they're seeking to work for good in people's lives, seeking to make a difference, seeking to love their neighbour, seeking to support their friend, seeking to be the listening ear on the other end of the phone, seeking to do something that changes and makes this world a better place. When I think about our church, I've said it before, when I think about around 600 people who call Icon Church their home, and on a Monday morning, I just think about where they are and the good that they're seeking to do in our world. I'm so thrilled and I'm so passionate. We go all in because the gospel is good news. We remember the gospel is good news. The second thing Jesus tells us is take the position of a servant. We would think there's more joy in being the master. But Jesus actually teaches us there's more joy in being the servant. He uses the illustration of the seats of the meal. Don't take the most prominent seats. Instead of trying to get into the most prominent seats, you know, hang back, be more humble. Because those who are proud can be brought low, but those who are humble can be exalted. So Jesus is saying, instead of trying to get into the circle, create the circle. Create the circle. Be the friend that somebody needs. Be the human that somebody needs. Be the arm around the shoulder. Be the listening ear. Be the prayer partner. Be the friend that somebody needs. Because there's a promise that comes to the humble. That the humble are exalted. Jesus encourages us, let go of the excuse why you can't and accept the invitation to enter into everything he's got for you. Because the invitation is bigger than you think. It's a door into the kingdom of God. It's the gateway to true joy. In fact, studies tell us now, and lots of studies tell us now, that people are happiest when they feel they're contributing and making a difference in life and they've got a purpose. When they've got a why to exist, 
We call it human flourishing. Our purpose as a church is human flourishing. We want to help people live their best life. And Jesus said, you know what, story one, I've not come to those who think they're healthy. If you think you're healthy, you think you've got it all together, you think they've got no problems, I'm not for you. I've come for those who know they need a doctor. I've come for those who know they need a savior. I've come for people who know they need help and they need rescue. If you think you're okay, Jesus says, well, I'm not the guy for you. But if you've got some humility and you think, you know what? I need help. You might not be in that place where you think, I'm desperate for help. But you know you've not got everything together then Jesus is the person for you. And then the final thing that Jesus says, so he tells us, remember the gospel is good news. He tells us to take the position of the servant because joy comes in serving other people. And finally, he says, widen your circle. Don't try and get in the circle, but create the circle. Make friends with people who need friends. The healthy, he says, don't need a doctor. They don't need you to try and get in that circle. But the sick, they need you to invite them into your circle. Go and find the poor, the lame, the blind. Find people who need friends. And let them, in, people in your world, maybe people in your workplace, maybe people in your family, maybe people in your school, let them come into your circle. Break the circle to invite them in. Let them feel your vibe. Let them feel your joy. Let them feel your peace. Don't hide it. Open up to it. Let them in. Let them enter into your generosity. Let them enter into your hope and let them receive hope from you because you're a person of hope. Let them, let them encounter your joyful spirit because you're not following a, 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 a religious Jesus. You're following a joyful Jesus. Open your circle. Invite, invite, invite the men. Open up your connect circle. Maybe your connect group has been like 10 people, same 10 people for three years. You've got to open that circle. You've got to open that circle. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to let hands, let go and let somebody else into that circle. I think I'm preaching good and people online think so too. Um, maybe your team in church, maybe you have got like the dream team in church and you are all know your, your roles, you, all, you love each other, you think you're amazing, you pray before the service together, our Father, and, and you, you, you got to, you, come on, it's time to let go. And it's time to widen that circle. You need to find somebody and invite them in. If you're in the photographic team, whatever you call it, photography team, that was lame. Still lame. You need friends. <laughs> you, 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 got, you got to drop those hands and you got to get some people in so that that cheers louder at least. Come on. You know, whatever. You got to get some people in that team circle. Team circle. You got to widen that team, widen that experience. Uh, maybe you've got a fun circle. You need to invite some people into your fun circle. Do you know what we do? We say no for people. We say no for people. We assume that if we were to invite people into our circles, into our world, people would say no. 
I want to tell you there's loads of people who don't think they've got it all together, who don't think like the Pharisees. They're just waiting for a circle that they could enter and be a part of. They're just waiting for two people who are in a circle and they're holding hands. I nearly held hands with Dave there. Who are holding hands (laughs) to say, come in to our circle. You know, one of the things we say often in church is it's so good to be gathered together because today we're the church gathered. But tomorrow, it's so good to be the church scattered because we will meet people tomorrow who don't think they've got it all together, who don't think Jesus is a smiling Jesus, who don't think Jesus is full of joy. Oh, don't get me wrong. Jesus is not flippant and He is completely serious. But He comes to us. The Bible tells us He comes to us with goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, the Scripture says, to change our minds. So tomorrow where the church scatters, why don't, why don't you take a risk? Let's, let's talk to our photography team over here. Megan's here. And I don't know who you're going to meet tomorrow. Invite, like you did it. You did it at university. You invited somebody at university to be on. You. Is she invited? Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Come on. We got, come on, give this round of applause. Quick, quick, hurry up. She did it. She went to university and she said, I forgot your name. Emily. Emily, sorry. She said to Emily, we got a photography team on at church. Would you like to be part of photography team at church? I'm telling the truth here, aren't I? I'm not lying. Emily was cheering down there. She was the loudest cheerer and uh, been baptised. And that's awesome. She did, do what Megan, just do what Megan did. My sermon is over. It's finished. Go tomorrow. Go. So Megan, do it again tomorrow. Find somebody else. You two, find somebody else tomorrow. Hey, we're just having a little bit of fun. It's good to have fun in church. Some people don't think so. Hey, but don't kill my vibe. You see, I'm still a Jesus person on Monday. Don't change. Just because the day changes, I'm still a Jesus person tomorrow. So maybe I could widen my circle of grace. Maybe my circle of grace has been pretty, like, narrow. Maybe I could widen it and think, I could show grace to a few more people. I'm struggling to show grace to that person. Maybe I could have a, maybe I could pray and say, God, would you help me? Widen my circle of grace. Maybe I could widen my circle of love. Because not everybody is lovable or lovely, are they? But maybe I could ask Jesus, would you help me widen my circle? What about my circle of life, of joy, of faith? What about my circle of forgiveness? Oh, we've all got a circle of forgiveness. There's there's people in that circle, we'll forgive whatever they do. But then there's other people we won't forgive whatever they do. Maybe we could widen our circle of forgiveness. We could break that circle, that demonic circle of unforgiveness. And we could say, I forgive you. I forgive you. You see, no new friends is okay for Drake and DJ Khaled, but it's no good for Christians. Sorry, three people got that illustration. It's a song. No new friends. I'm saying lots more friends. I always say to our church, say it constantly. I say it lots of times every year. Most of our church, we haven't met yet. And if we are willing to widen our circle of hope, of grace, of love, of faith, of joy and forgiveness, we could see thousands of people 
in our circles. So who could I, who could I include? Who could I find? And here's what Jesus says, find whoever you can because there's still room. Did you get the end of the story? The servants go out into the city and they bring the poor, the lame, the blind, and they say, there's still room. And Jesus says, good, go again. Find whoever you can, cause there's still room. What is there? There's still room. Religion says there's no room. Jesus says there's still room. The Gospel is good news. We take a position to serve because that's the gateway for joy in our lives and in their lives. And we're going to widen our circle so that we can see people come to know Jesus. And I believe when we do that, you won't be able to kill our vibe. We get caught up in all that religious stuff, that serious stuff. You'll kill the vibe. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, being Jesus people on Monday as well as Sunday, I believe that we'll continue to be people full of life and joy and peace. As well as widening our circle, we need to step out of some circles. Like some of those first circles, you know, that kill the vibe. I like just walk away. Just walk away because you're not going to kill my vibe. Do you receive God's Word, church, tonight? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Team, let's worship God together. Just tell somebody, don't kill my vibe. I'm widening my circle. Father, we declare tonight, in Jesus' Name, we are widening our circles. We're going wherever we can. We're finding whoever we can and we're saying, come in. We're growing our photography team tomorrow in Derby, in Jesus' Name, Amen. I believe it, Lord, even if no one else does. We're widening our circle of joy. We're widening our circle of fun. We're widening our circle of faith. We're widening our circles of hope. We're widening our circle of grace. We're widening our circle of forgiveness. In Jesus' Name, help us, God, we pray. We thank You for it. And everyone said, come on, let's worship. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.